This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. They also track what is the number one concern of small businesses. And a lot, usually it's taxes. Uh, those, that's actually fallen. Part of the pandemic, and now this has picked back up, is falling, uh, f- finding qualified workers. That's Curtis Dubay, senior economist in the Economic Policy Division at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, talking about the Chamber's economic forecast in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. And welcome to WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. Find us at WQA.org on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is episode number 186. If you're joining us for the first time, we're glad you're here. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. We're publishing this on September 23rd, 2020. In this episode, we hear from Curtis Dubay in remarks he gave at the WQA Mid-Year Leadership Conference this month. Curtis has a wealth of data and analysis and explains what the uphill climb looks like as the economy struggles to recover. And I'll have our WQA tip. Now on to U.S. Chamber of Commerce Senior Economist Curtis Dubay on WQA Radio. From a very, uh, very high level, this is a very unusual economic situation we have right now. Uh, for the the virus is driving the economy. Uh, as the virus goes, so too does the economy. So when the virus sub, uh, subsides, when levels go down, the economy picks up. Uh, when the virus picks back up, the economy the economy uh, slows subsequently. This is really unique. Usually when we have a contraction, like, and I'll get deeper into these numbers, usually when you have a situation like this where you have an enormous economic contraction, enormous economic event, it happens because of something that occurred inside the economy. Uh, an economist would say that's endogenous. Uh, but really that means is that, think about the 2007 and 2009 Great Recession. Uh, that happened because of a, a bubble that in the financial industry. So we had the financial crisis, which set off a bigger economic contraction. This is different. Uh, this is this is coming from outside. It's a health issue that's causing the economy uh, to slow. There's there's the the upside of that. And by the way, it's not hyperbolic to compare what happened in the economy recently to the Great Recession from 2007 to 2009 or the Great Depression. It was really that severe, and, and I'll show you that. Uh, but so th- there is an upside uh, to having this. It, when it comes to outside, it's called an exogenous shock. But there, there's a there's a there's an upside to having this occur from being imposed upon the economy by the virus. And that is, we know how the recession will end. It will end when we get past the pandemic. We didn't know how the Great Depression would end. We didn't know how the Great Recession would end. We just had to work through it. It took a long time in both cases. We will get back closer to normal once we get past the pandemic. Of course, the open question is, when does that occur? Uh, so those, those are some of the things that, uh, the high level I want you to remember, and you'll see this in, in the data as we as we go forward. Uh, the other thing that's, that's going on, uh, and, 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 as, and also as part of that, it's really important to remember that we're, we need to compare rates and levels when we look at all sorts of economic data right now. What that means is that we're going to have record rates of economic growth of whether it's GDP or jobs or any type of data that comes out because we had such a severe contraction in the middle part of this year. We're going we're gonna to bounce back very sharply, but the levels of those economic data might not get back to where they were pre-pandemic for a while. And I'll walk through that as well. 
other thing that's going on is that we are in the midst of a K-shaped recovery. Back when this was all starting, everyone was talking about what's the shape of the recovery going to be? Is it going to be a V-shaped or we're going to have a very sharp contraction followed by a very sharp uh, return to normal? That was the V-shaped. Or we're going to have an L. We're going to have go down really fat, far and the economy going to stay down for a while. Will be a U. We'll go down really far, stay down for a while, and then shoot back up. There was all these discussions. K wasn't really something that people talked about. It's come about now. I had to, I had to learn what this was all about. Basically, what it means is that if you cut the K in half horizontally, uh, that some industries at the top of the K, they're having the V-shaped recovery. Uh, retail sales is a good example that came out today. Retail sales are now higher than they were prior to the pandemic, which is just incredible if you think about it. Uh, but then you also, they're at the top of the K, for instance, uh, things like technology, uh, things that have been uh, that been able to use the internet, uh, they are certainly at the top of the K. But then you have the bottom of the K. They're the ones that have gone down or continue to go down travel and tourism, restaurants and bars, other accommodation, services in general. Services in general are, are significantly down. Uh, so that, that's what we mean when we talk about the, the K-shaped re, uh, recovery. And that will continue as long as the pandemic continues because a lot of these businesses that are, on, that are uh, at the bottom largely cannot operate the way they did prior, prior to the virus. Uh, they, they can only operate at reduced capacity or not at all. Uh, so that will continue, and the, the way to fix that is that get past the get past the virus, and these are also industries that may require in further government assistance. Uh, that's why a phase four bill here in Washington is is so important. So with that, those are the high level things that I wanted to touch on before I get into uh, the nuts and bolts of of what's going on right now. I I have a slide deck I'm going to share with you. Perfect. Okay, so. One of the things that we wanted to have when we when this all kicked off was real-time data. What is going on in the economy right at this moment? That's hard. And if, if you have that information, it's really, really valuable. It's really hard to, it's really hard to find that, though. Uh, but we did. We were able to find it. And this, this is where it came from. It's a, it's a group of economists at, the, at Harvard and at the Dallas and New York Fed. They put this together. It's called the Weekly Economic Index. And what it is, it's, a, it's 10 different economic variables that come out weekly. So they get this data pretty regularly and they put it into an index to show us where, where we are and where we're going. The uh, uh, things like uh, uh, same store sales, staffing levels, uh, gas consumption, steel production, unemployment data, tax withholding, those are the type of things that they're, that they're putting into this index. As you can see, uh, it fell off a cliff. Uh, this is actually a good, I should have mentioned, the economy was doing pretty well in early February or in, into February and into the middle of March. The economy was tracking very strongly. So we were in a good position. You can see that uh, on, at the beginning of the chart. Then it, the virus comes, we go into the lockdown. I, I, I date it from March 13th because that was the last day I was in the, uh, the office and it was the last day my children went to school. So we, we have the lockdown starting from March 13th and, and the economy goes off a cliff. It, go, it, it stays significantly down through early May and it's slowly but surely starting to come back to normal. It's been, a, it's been a long, long process, as you can see. What's interesting about this, this index as well is they, they backcasted it. They just created it, but they did it going back to the Great Recession from 2007-2009. We were at our depths of the, the contraction we went through was significantly below any point during the Great Recession. Look how far down it goes compared to 2008. Now, it's slowly creeping back. Uh, like, I, like I talked about, 
But we're still not back to the lowest level of the Great Recession from 2007 to 2009. We're, well, hopefully we'll get there soon. I should update that this week. I have to make a note for myself to do that. Uh, and maybe we're, maybe we're there now, but it's been a long, a long time. Just think about how bad things were back back then. So again, when I was saying that it, it, it's not hyperbolic to talk about uh, this in, in terms of the Great Depression and Great Recession, this is what I was getting at. Consumer sentiment really does drive a whole lot of what's going on in the economy. And I, I like this chart and I put it at the beginning because it shows, again, that the theme that the virus is really driving economic activity. The, so when consumers are more confident, they're going to go out and spend more. It's really not that complicated. What's interesting here is that, again, go back to early, early part of the year in February, consumer sentiment was very high. Consumer sentiment and consumer confidence were, re were running at record levels. The virus hits, it falls off a cliff in April and May. But the virus levels go down in June, consumer confidence jumps up, economic activity jumps up commensurately, and we look like we're on the excuse me, path to recovery. However, the virus resurges in, uh, in the Sun Belt and in the West in late June and early July, and we, consumer sentiment falls in July. Slowly work through those virus cases, starts to come down a little bit, and we get a little bit of recovery in August. That that uh, tracks as well for the, this is the same measure, but this is the current, how you feel now versus how you feel about the future. Same thing holds for the future expectations. This really matters. I put this in here because future, how you feel about the future really drives how you make decisions about making big purchases of big ticket, big ticket items like durable goods. So think housing, uh, housing, cars, appliances, electronics, anything that might require financing. You're not going to buy that unless you're really confident that you can make those purchases in the future. And if, you're, if your expectations of the future dip, uh, you're not going to make those purchases. The future expectations is also tracking with the virus. So I expect that some of those bigger, bigger ticket items are not being purchased at the same level they were when, uh, when the, uh, the virus ticked down in, in June. Uh, I, I expect when we get the, the – and we should get some early data on consumer sentiment – for, for uh, September in, in the coming days, that this will take back up because the virus has come down, virus levels have to come down, and we see increased pickup of economic activity. Same, same thing, this is consumer sentiment, consumer confidence, very similar measures, uh, different, different uh, institutions doing them, but uh, again, following the same pattern. Tick up in June, coming down in July, uh, and, and this one actually fell in August as well. Unemployment. Uh, this is, uh, there, it turns out there's a lot of issues with measuring uh, unemployment claims, uh, but this is really uh, also tracking the virus very closely. I, I, it's, it's interesting, I keep this in here because the, the historical nature, again, driving home that this was a, uh, on par with these enormous uh, economic events that we think of historically. Prior to, prior to the, uh, the virus hitting, unemployment claims were running like 200,000 a week. Uh, unemployment, unemployment insurance claims, 200,000 a week, which is right around, uh, and, and remember, things were going very well. They took up, they go from 200,000 a week to almost 7 million in, uh, in, by the end of March, 7 million. The prior record of this was, prior to that was 695,000 in October of 1982. So we were 10 times that level at the end of March. And it's slowly but surely been coming down each week. 
and it's now under a million eight hundred eighty-four thousand last two weeks. I am no longer looking at the absolute value level of these. There's just been a tremendous. There was a New York Times article that said that there is a tremendous difficulty in recording accurately the amount of claims that are coming in because they're so big. There's a huge backlog. People are applying multiple times, and then they're getting delayed. And when they finally get their their benefits, they're paid in. in they're paid going back. But that each one of those back those back weeks that get paid is an initial claim. So this number is highly inflated and there's been a tremendous amount of fraud. There's a lot of, there are a lot of the extra benefits will we'll bring that in. So I don't I'm not sure about the levels of these, these anymore, but the trend really is what matters and it's, it's coming down and that's good news. Same with continuing employment. So as people are going back to work, it matters to look at who's claimed un unemployment and who is no longer claiming. And that's what this number is continuing. So people who have claimed and those people who have fallen off, presumably because they've gone back to work, and that number is coming down uh, slowly, but it's coming down week after week. So that's good news. This is, this is an important chart because this is the rates first levels uh, issue that I talked about at, at the beginning. Again, we were in really good shape when, when, uh, when we uh, into February and into, into March. But in February, there were 152 over 152 million jobs in the economy. Now it took from June of 2009, when the, when the uh, Great Recession ended, until February of, 20, of 2020, so almost 11 full years of that kind of expansion, to get to that many jobs. So almost 11 years to grow the, grow the job market to, to that size. In, uh, in, in two months, basically less than two months, we lost over 22 million jobs. That's the red part of the bar in April. So we go down to 130, 130 million jobs in the economy, and that's the gap we need to fill to get back to where we were. Now, hopefully it doesn't take 11 years, but we've had record high level of job creations in the last four months. In May, June, July, and August, we've had all would-be records uh, of job creation. In, uh, in May, I think it was 2.8 million. In June, it was 4.8 million jobs, one month, 4.8 million, and it's been 1.4 million jobs in the last couple of months. A good month, by the way, is like 150 to 200,000. So these are, this is really, this is really good news, and it's been touted as such, and I'm not saying that it is not. It's very good news. Putting that many people back to work is, is good, but look at the gap that still remains. There's still 11.6 million jobs to go to get back to the employment level we had in February. So it's, good. it's gonna take a while. Question uh, has to do, uh, first off here, uh, Curtis, with, whether you or the chamber anticipate uh, the likelihood of further stimulus being passed in Washington. I would, okay, so I was actually thinking about this the other day. I live like right next to the Capitol. So I was uh, over by the Capitol and I was thinking about uh, whether they were here or not. And uh, I think they are here. I, yeah, my, my wife gave me a thumbs up. She's watching a hearing. They're here. Uh, so there's a possibility for a deal. And here's what I, the chamber would like to see a phase four deal. We are pushing very strong for that. I think we, we probably need a phase four deal. I think we probably end up with something at some point, but the longer this goes and the economy recovers, what you'll see is that Republicans have less incentive to, to, to do it. They're, they're still Republicans. They still don't want to see too much spending and the, the spending numbers have been, uh, they're mind bending. They're almost, they're almost unreal because they're so big. So the longer it goes on and the, the world, the economy doesn't collapse, the more incentive they're going to have to not do anything. And then if the Democrats simultaneously believe that it's hurting Republicans, then maybe they hold out as well. So the longer it goes on, I think the chances decline. I still think right now we will see something and it's something that we're, we're pushing for. Uh, but you know, if you get into late next week and then getting close to October, 
that, that might change. Question uh, from one of our members. Many employers cannot find qualified candidates to hire. Why is this the case, given the millions still unemployed? So two things. One is that it was very clear uh, through survey data from uh, the Federal Reserve and just anecdotally that the, the extra $600 per week of benefits were hindering the, the people going back to work. That's largely ended, so that's less of a concern. But that was definitely an issue for a couple months. What's now showing up is that childcare issues. Uh, I'm, I, I, I could show you. I could show you. Uh, this is this makes it hard to work. Uh, if you're lucky enough to be home, there's three kids in in distance learning right next to me. Uh, it makes it hard to hard to if you if you have a type of job where you can't do it from home, as my wife and I are lucky enough to do. You, you, you have to leave the workforce if your kids are home. There's nothing you can do. That's showing up in survey data as well from the Federal Reserve that it's the child care issues have now surpassed the issue with uh, the, extra the extra benefits. And then third, if you follow so the, the, the uh, small business optimism data point I shared with you, it comes from the National Foundation, Federation of Independent Businesses, NFIB. They also, they also track what is the number one concern of small businesses. And a lot, of, usually it's taxes. Uh, those, that's actually fallen. Part of the pandemic, and now this has picked back up, is falling, uh, f finding qualified workers, f qualified applicants. So it's, a, it's an issue that's, that was existent prior to the pandemic and something that's an issue. There's a skills mismatch in the economy, regardless of the pandemic, of what employers, the skills employers want and need and what their workers, uh, applicants have. So again, a longer, a longer term problem that will take, will take a while to fix. And that was a portion of the remarks U.S. Chamber of Commerce senior economist Curtis Dubay made to attendees of the WQA Mid-Year Leadership Conference in September. Now our WQA tip. September is Professional Certification Month at WQA. Take advantage of the certification options for you and your team. Gain the skills and knowledge to make you an expert in your field. Go to wqa.org slash ProfCert to get started and save on the price of education by becoming a WQA member. Go to wqa.org slash membership. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.